I went ahead and brought water up with me this week, so I'm being proactive since my voice kept cutting out last week when we were together. I want to tell you as we get started today a quick uh, parable of my own making. Uh, There once was a man who grew a garden every year. That man happened to be my father. And it was his special project that he put a ton of work into and that he loved to talk about all the time. Uh, He would always talk about, uh, like, he would give people uh, vegetables, uh, sometimes perfect strangers. He would hand them vegetables, and he would say, you know, have some of my tomatoes or my peppers or whatever it was, as if they were named after him, as that type of that genus of of tomatoes were were named after him. And uh, every year, we would go through this project of getting the garden ready, and my job uh, was to weed the entire area for my dad. Now, this seems like a pretty fair job for a kid to do, right? Well, let me give you my perspective on the entire situation. Uh, the area that I had to weed was about 10 to 15 feet deep and about 40 feet long. So it was not a small area. And that's a sizable chunk of real estate. Now, look, I know you had to pull an acre's worth of weeds with your teeth. I don't care. This is my story. All right? We also had Bermuda grass in our yard, uh, which was great in the yard, but it's not so great in a garden. And it would spread from the yard into the garden every year, which which meant that when I was weeding, I was going one shovel at a time into this 400-some-square-foot area that I was having to clean out. And that was how it started every year, with me weeding that entire area. And it would take a while, but when that was done, my dad would go to his friend's house with his little trailer, and he would get a load of fresh horse manure. And uh, he would bring it back to the house and back it up, and then we would shovel this horse manure out into the garden. And that took a while, and sometimes there was more than one trip. Uh, I don't know if he was feeding the horses laxatives or anything like that, but, you know, we got the job done. And it was spread over the ground as fertilizer. Uh, Then he would go and he would get the rototiller. Um, And, you know, if you've never seen a rototiller before, it has these, like, wheel kind of things in the front that are made of metal that turn up the ground. That's their job is to turn and mix everything up. So he got this thing. And if you've ever seen, it's kind of like they're riding a horse, uh, but the horse is in front of them, you know, and, and so it's bumping over the ground. So you do this whole thing to mix all of it into the soil. Now, I was not allowed to do that part. Um, of course not, Richie. Why would he let me do that part? Uh, you know how careless and reckless I am in general as a person. So, you know, I was clearly not to be trusted. Um, the next thing that happened was we put down the weed barrier. Uh, rolls and rolls of weed barrier that we'd, you know, fill up the entire place. So, you know, this black stuff was all uh, put down on the ground. And then my father would go in and he would choose the spots where he wanted to plant. And he would cut these X's in the barriers at those different points. And he would, uh, you know, 
put the plants in each space. Now, why does he need to have a weed barrier when I did the weeding? I know it's my job to weed, and yes, weeds always come back, so mind your business. So once it was out and staked, he would, he would get those spots and he would plant uh, the, the, the plants into the ground and then we would run a drip system that would go down each line. It would have this stuff. I'm, I, don't, I wasn't really allowed to do that either. I wasn't allowed to do much. Um, and the whole thing was very strategized and, and, and carefully planned out. And then it would go through the whole season. It would become really big and large and he would hand out his tomatoes to everyone and the the by the end of the season the garden would stop and we'd wait until the next year every year every single year that's what we did now the parable that we are going to look at today is nothing like that story I want you to know, it's nothing like that. In fact, it's, it's kind of the opposite of that story. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 13. We have been going through Matthew chapter 13 together for the past several weeks, looking at the different parables that Jesus shared with his followers during that time. And this parable, which we're doing last, which is the first parable in the chapter, is one of the most well-known chapters, or I'm sorry, parables in the Bible. It's one that is talked about often, and it is the parable of the sower. So let's look at verses 1 through 9. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Okay, raise your hand if you've heard this parable before. All right, you're familiar with this one. I, I, I get it. So what are some things that I want you to notice right away? Well, number one, Jesus, as happened pretty frequently, was surrounded by people. How many people? A lot. A lot, a lot. Like, there were a lot of people there. And there were so many people that he went out into a boat in the water to have some separation from them so that he could start talking. That's how many people they were. There, there were that day. And, and, and he figured that they would stop at the waterline to give him a little bit of space there to speak. And he started talking to the crowd, and how was he talking to them? What was he doing? He was sharing parables. He was telling them stories. And this parable was one of the parables that he told at that time. Now, <clears throat> why is this an interesting thing? 
Well, Jesus, we can deduce here, wasn't doing any what I'm going to call plain teaching, um, where he's just trying to say, you know, this is what God wants for you, or this is what you should do, or this is this, or this is that. He was speaking in parables. And for the most part, the listeners were not given an explanation of the story that they heard. So if I were to be like Jesus today, I would have read you the parable and walked off the stage. So they weren't getting any sort of explanation. Instead, they heard the stories and they were left to think about what the stories meant. This means that the listeners that day might have understood what Jesus said. They also might have thought they understood what Jesus said. And they also might not have understood anything at all. So we have to sort of adjust our thinking about what's happening here. Because does Jesus want them to learn something? Absolutely. He wants them to learn something, okay? Is it guaranteed they will? No. And what determines whether they will learn something or not? It's a good question. It's a good question. And, and Lydia's right. We're going to get there in a second. But there's more to it than that. Something we need to understand is that whether they got what Jesus was saying was pretty solely up to them, whether they understood it or not. Now, is that the best way to teach people? Not always, but how dare you criticize Jesus? What's the matter with you? You are a church. Get yourselves together. Now, what else is funny is then, kind of recognizing all that, is that this parable is sort of a description of what was happening in real time. He was telling these stories without explanation, and these stories that they go out, we can't help but see a parallel between the crowd that was standing in front of him, that Jesus was in this boat, basically looking at all different kinds of soil, back on the shore. Now, what is this parable about? Now, the answer that seems most apparent is that this story is about the different kinds of soil. Jesus' explanation, which we're going to get to in a minute, certainly points that way. But this is not the parable of the soil. What is it the parable of? The sower. So if we're going strictly by the title, and by the way, Jesus calls it the parable of the sower later on, if we're going strictly by the title, the parable of the sower, what are we then supposed to understand this story is about? It's about the one who is sowing these seeds out into these different kinds of soils. So on one hand, the parable is about what happens when the seeds are sown and what happens to them in the ground. You could, you could just as easily call this the parable of the sown seeds. You could. Because the descriptions we get here are about what happens not to the soil, but what happens to what? The seed itself. Whether it's able to grow and able to become something more than it was. So if it's about the sower, though, what are the things we can recognize about the sower? Well, he is 
doing the very opposite of what my father did. This is not a strategic sowing. This is a haphazard, reckless sowing of the seeds. Every which direction. They are falling where? Everywhere. He is not getting the soil ready, getting all the weeds out of the way, making the perfect little horse manure environment for the seed. He's not doing any of those things. He's just, he's just letting it fall wherever it goes. Wherever it goes, that's where it goes. Now, does the sower want the seeds to grow? Yes, of course. That's why he is sowing the seeds. Why else would he do that? But here's the important question. Does he decide for the soil where it's going to grow? No. He just puts it out there. He doesn't make a decision, oh, this can't grow here, so you're not going to get a seed. He doesn't make any of those distinctions. Instead, everything gets what everything gets. Everybody's receiving the same thing no matter what they look like or what condition they're in. So what does this tell us about what the sower values? What does he value? He values sowing. He, getting it out there. That's what he cares about, is getting it out there. And then, once it's out there, it's up to the relationship between the seed and the ground to figure out whether this can happen or not. It's between them. But the sower gets it out to everybody. Okay, let's move past this for a moment. Why did Jesus tell stories? Well, we don't have to guess because the disciples asked him this very question. Jesus, why do you talk in parables? Let's look at verses 10 through 17. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Now pay attention here because this is sort of initially a, a strange answer. He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Okay. There's a lot to unpack here for us in this little section, so let's dive in. Um, we are, I'm grateful that the disciples chose to ask a very relevant question. 
Why is it that you're teaching this way? And it's relevant because this is what Jesus had been doing. How many parables, I mean, I know this is the first parable that we have, the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13, but if you notice what was described earlier, he told a lot of other parables as well. How many did he tell to this group without explanation? We don't know. What we do know is that several were laid out there for people to hear and, and to sort of see what would happen. So we don't know how much knowledge Jesus laid on everybody. We're not sure. Um, so what is this question asking when they, when they leave this scenario and they have a moment with Jesus? What do they really want to know? Um, well, number one, do the disciples understand everything Jesus is saying in these stories? No. And if they don't understand these people who live and eat with Jesus all the time, if they don't understand, then how is everyone else supposed to understand what he's saying? So the question that they're asking is really, why are you choosing to tell stories without explaining what they mean instead of just telling people what you mean? Like, what's, what's happening here? Why are you doing this? And Jesus' response, we need to give it a little air because it is somewhat difficult to uh, sort of interpret what he's saying here. So let's look at that first part. Uh, Jed, would you go back one slide? Thank you. So let's look at this first part here, uh, 11 through 13. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them, whoever has will be given more, and they will be given in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Now, on the surface, let's give it our first reaction. What is he saying? I'm speaking in parables because, why? Because he's teaching his disciples. That's one way to look at it that these stories are maybe for them. It, al it almost seems like he's saying, I'm speaking in parables because they're not going to get it. Right? I mean, it, it, kind, of, it kind of feels that way. He's going to speak in parables because they're not going to get it. But there's, there's more, you know, obviously more to it than that. The disciples will get more of what Jesus is saying than anyone else. Why? Yeah, because they have the secrets of the kingdom. So <laughs> it's almost like, you know, this whole scenario then with the listeners and with Jesus, like Jesus going up to the people and, and telling them, you know, a story, but they don't have uh, the key to understanding the story. They don't have it. Who does have it? Jesus has it, right? And the disciples have it. So these are the people who should understand it. Now, why do they understand it? Well, because they understand more about the kingdom than those that just showed up that day. I mean, this is one of the benefits of being able to ask Jesus questions like this one. Not everyone got to ask these questions. What's going on here? Why are you doing it this way? So they have more knowledge than anyone else. Now, those who don't have knowledge, even what they know or think they know will be taken from them. Now, this seems kind of unfair, doesn't it? 
So is Jesus saying that those who just came out that day to hear him, that they have no chance of understanding what he's saying? I don't think so. Um, I don't think it's about who gets what kind of knowledge, although that's certainly talked about here. I, I think it's more about the fact that in order to understand what the kingdom is about, in order to understand these parables, you are going to have to think differently. Now, do you yet know how to think differently? Maybe. Maybe not. Is Jesus going to help you think differently? Maybe, but you have to do most of the work on yourself. After all, what does the sower do? He throws a seed, man, right? He throws a seed. So his job, like we said earlier, is not to make sure that that seed becomes a plant. It's the relationship between the seed and the soil that makes this happen. You can ask him if you're brave enough and if you can get close enough to him. I mean, there's that too. There were so many people he had to go out into the lake, so it stands to reason, you know, that the dude in the back left corner couldn't get up to ask Jesus this question, right? He just, he didn't have that opportunity. So you have to learn to think differently if you're going to understand these parables and you're not going to understand what they're about if you're not able to think differently. And I want you to understand that thinking differently in the way that Jesus wants his followers to is a difficult proposition. Because when we approach stories, those stories all take place in a world that we understand. We know the rules. We know what's fair and what's not fair. We understand how this thing is supposed to work. But guess what? The kingdom of heaven is a different kingdom than the kingdom of the world. And it has different rules that those people, and us included, don't always live by or understand or apply to our lives. And if we are not thinking differently then we too will miss what the parable is about. We will. We have to learn to understand the language that Jesus is speaking. Now, is this answer very satisfying? Um, not really. Uh, so, we have to understand, though, that Jesus is simply telling it kind of like it is, all right? We want to get through to his intentions in this, but we already know his intentions. He told us what his intentions are. But there's something he's recognizing that he doesn't have control of. And so, in short, Jesus is not responsible for someone's eyes, ears, brain, or heart. He's not responsible for those things. Does he want those things to see, hear, think, feel? Yes. But that's not what he's doing. He's not here to work the soil. 
And whether someone sees, hears, understands, or has a soft heart is not up to him. The word goes out, and it is up to people themselves to be ready for what he has to say. So he tells stories about the kingdom of heaven, about the kingdom of God, and how things are in the rest of the world. And this is, this is important. It is the ability to see the difference between the kingdom of God that Jesus is talking about and the kingdom of the world that helps someone understand what he's saying. If to you it's all the same, then you're simply going to apply your rules to your world to what he's saying. And that's going to change the meaning of whatever it is that he's putting out there for you. It's the ability to see the difference, to understand that Jesus is talking about something different. And then to ask the question, well, what does this mean for me? So here's a silly but I think important question. Does Jesus want everyone to see and hear and understand and feel? Of course he did. But he also knew that no matter how he shared the truth of God, he could not control the soil. Period. He could not determine whether it was going to be accepted and understood or not. I am not Jesus, but I have experienced this. I speak every week. And I have had people come up and thank me for saying something I know I did not say. I even had someone come up and challenge me one time about something I said, and the something he thinks I said was that Jesus isn't really that important to salvation or to life. And I was like, I know, I know, I did not say that. Well, that's, that's what I heard. I took him into my office, because this was later in the week, and I showed him my notes I'm like, this is what I said at this time. And he, he looks at it and he's like, well, you know, I just started taking new medication. <laughs> and that medication sometimes makes me fall asleep. And I am not lying. That dude was dead asleep during at least half of my sermon. People are going to hear what they want sometimes to hear, what they have conditioned themselves to hear. We are going to hear the word of God and apply it to ourselves in all these different ways based on whether we are ready for that seed to grow or not. That's a pretty deep thought. <laughs> but we know that Jesus want everyone, wanted everyone to hear, to know, to... I mean... Why was Jesus here in the first place? To die that we might have new life. We who do not understand. We who don't always see or hear or feel what the kingdom is about. So lastly in this section, is Jesus like Yoda? Um, the answer is no. Yoda is like him. All right. So what does this parable mean? Let's look at verses 18 through 23. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. 
When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, excuse me, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Okay, we learned something really interesting from this, which I don't know if you've considered before. There are different kinds of soil. We, all, we know that. We knew this was coming. But what does the soil all have in common? They all receive the seed. All of them. Everyone gets the opportunity to grow what Jesus is sowing. Furthermore, look at how he describes each landing space. The one that falls on the path the reason why it doesn't grow is because the seed is exposed and the evil one snatches it. The rocky ground receives the seed and they experience great joy, but it does not last because the roots don't go deep enough. The thorns, the seed is there, but so are the thorns. And like the thorns keep them from growing by choking out the word so that the seed can't really take root and then there's the good soil and there's nothing keeping the seed from growing in the good soil now here's something that i had never considered before jesus doesn't criticize any of the soils we always you know i tend to jump like oh well the path is someone with a hard heart and their heart is hard and they need to fix that but that's actually not what jesus says is part of the problem that they're a path Sure, but why does the seed go away? Because the evil one takes it. Why is the rocky soil kept from growing? Because the nature of its life, everything that's around it, is keeping the truth from taking root, even though the person recognized how great this is. The thorns, the thorns choke out the seed and the growth. So in a weird way, he doesn't criticize the state of each person. Instead, what he recognizes is there are factors that are going to determine whether someone understands him or they don't. And it doesn't always boil down, well, that person's just a hard path. There are other things that are going on there besides just that. Now, can one kind of soil become something different? I want to say yes, but we also have to recognize that's not what this parable is about. But there is good news. Because the sower, what is his job? And he's going to keep doing it. It's going to keep landing wherever it lands. And places are always going to have opportunity to grow. 
even if it didn't work the first time or the second or the third or however many times you want this to go. The fact of the matter is, in this one case where the seed goes you know, onto these different paths, it's not ready to grow something new. Might it become ready to grow something new? Absolutely. And the sower is there to sow when that happens. So this was what happened when Jesus taught in parables. This, is what, this was the dynamic that he knew was, was there and that had to be dealt with, not only from him, but from them. So was he telling stories that they might be confused and not get it. No, absolutely not. He was telling stories because sometimes the best way to communicate the truth is to draw people into something that makes them think differently. That puts them in place where there's a character that's not them. That doesn't act like they do. To where they have to wonder, who am I in this story? What is most like me? Where do I fit? And by, by becoming a part of this story, they are drawn out of themselves, potentially, if they are ready. They are drawn out of themselves to understand something Jesus couldn't just say to them. I mean, after all, what is saying, well, you know, the kingdom of God is different? What does that actually mean? Uh, we know it is, but can he just sit there and list all the ways it's different? He does sometimes, but he also uses these stories. He uses these stories to draw people in. And church, sometimes we forget about how challenging the, teach, or how challenging the teachings of Jesus are. Oh, well, it means this. Cool. So who are you in this? And sometimes we don't want to hear what Jesus has to say because we're not ready for it. I mean, that's just true. But the word goes out anyway. So hear these words from Jesus from Matthew chapter 13. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. 
which a man took and planted in his field, though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. He who has ears, let them hear. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. Whoever has ears, let them hear.